We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another episode of the Golden Blogs Podcast, the BearCast. Uh, we are back after a tumultuous week. I had a great weekend. Oh, the, so no, great. the weekend was great. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I, yeah, the week. I totally forgot. Friday, Saturday, Sunday was great. <laughs> the week in itself... Tuesday wasn't so great. Tuesday was not so great. Wednesday was my fiance's birthday. We went out for an omakase? Omakase? Omakase. Omakase meal in San Francisco. Yeah. Where did you go? <laughs> the restaurant... Of that namesake. Oh, Omakase. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Highly recommend Saru. Saru? If you want some really? sushi. S-A-R-U. Um, Where is it? Uh, I believe it's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is it Hayes Valley? Is it prefix? Same thing? Yeah. And they have individuals as well, if you want to just do, wow. just do that. Very good place. Yeah, it Very was good so place. good. I mean, that fatty tuna is oh. like mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. There's a bunch of sushi places in the city. We can we can list this off if people want to know too. So I feel then, like I, I spent my whole week just trying to do cool things that I would normally, or I shouldn't even say cool, but things that I really enjoy uh, to try and remind myself that the world will still be here four <laughs> years later, or at least I'm pretty sure it will still be. And most of the things that I enjoy doing have seen multiple presidencies, you know, and some yeah. idiots, some not, and they're still here. Yeah, I mean. I had I had a uh, like a Thanksgiving get together with like a few of my church groups uh, on Thursday night, but there were protests going on in Oakland, just helicopters and the freeway was closed on the on the eastbound five eighty. Yeah. Um, so in eight eighty, when I was trying to go, yeah. uh, I was trying to get out somewhere Wednesday, and the cops had preemptively shut it down. Uh. I mean, it's a smart move by the cops. I was um, in the protest. So- for the tuition hikes yeah. when I was at Berkeley uh-huh. and went all the way down. And then people from that went up on, I stopped on the at hikes. the Frankagawa yeah. Plaza, but yeah, they went on the freeway and one of my professors, my major ended up explaining to me why that's so important to do that. Cause I kind of raised my hand in class was like, Hey, like, you know, I thought it was a great thing to be involved with, but why the need? Yeah. Is, is it, there? is it too much to like get in people's way? Yeah. 
and really inconvenience them. Yeah. And you get a really interesting point, which was more along the lines of that sometimes you just have to find a way for your message to be heard. And there's and a that's chance the only that, way. Yeah, yeah, maybe if it's all, you know, if you don't do that type of extreme, then they're not willing to hear the message. Anyways, way too far gone on that one. Yeah. But do you have any thoughts on Tuesday? Just to... Just because it is, it was a big moment in our nation's history. My only thoughts are exactly sort of what I said. I told everyone on my team this, that it wasn't what I was expecting, um, which is a fault of my own. And I, I knew this, surrounding myself with uh, the same, similar concentric circles and uh, friends that I have from Florida that I stopped talking with and then started pushing out their opinion and didn't really recognize it, so... Um, I'm as guilty as anyone, but I think that you gain the perspective from the things that you do and you love. Cal football played this weekend. It wasn't something we love to watch, <laughs> but it is something that I love to like be a spectator of. And so that will still be here. You know, he's not going to ruin he's college not, football not. for everyone. The NBA is still going to be around. The Warriors season is going to be a ton of fun. Uh, going out, I got to go to the beach, went up on a bunch of cool hikes, like all that stuff has been here for many, many years. And And for many, many more years. And I do feel absolutely terrible for those that are, who have been disenfranchised and continue to be disenfranchised by this country and will, uh, and definitely like the fear that people are feeling is so uncomfortable and it's so unwarranted. Um, I'm inspired by the fact that the millennial vote was so heavily Clinton and that I think we'll see a very different United States of America give it eight years. I'm just hoping we can get there without putting a Reagan type of gap between the poor and the rich and that tends to happen with these kinds of things. Yeah. How about you? Uh, For me, I mean, I'm Asian. Uh, I am part of the minority. Um, Asians get this little bit of a, like, oh, it's, it, we're in kind of a limbo. Because whenever we're talking, whenever people talk about minorities, like, Asians aren't, like, emphatically one of the, like, ethnicities or races that you say, like, they are a minority. You know what I mean? Um, and I say this half-heartedly as well, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, after the election happened, and, I mean, I had some conversations with people, and basically, we live in a bubble that's California. We really do. And the fact that, you know, I, I, I put this out on Facebook and Twitter afterwards, but I, I did vote, and I voted for Hillary, um, and say what you want about it. But regardless of my vote, like, I felt like my vote wasn't as necessary in this state as it was in others. Um, I felt like I could have done more had I been in another state. Um, our, our state is so democratic to begin with that like this election and the votes that went into it would it was already skewed to one side at least in this state and with the people that you talk to especially here in the bay area like you knew that was the sense you got like the majority of the people here in the bay area especially they're voting for hillary you know they um the the democratic primary was so much of a bigger deal here than the republican primary was or even the presidential the um, election was like you know long term um, when the primaries were going on, like it was all about the Democratic primaries here. Um, so, I guess to wrap up my thoughts on this is, I'm, I'm a man of God. Um, I'm, 
you know, I, I'm not saying this to just brush the issue under the rug, uh, but I sincerely am praying for Donald Trump that he is a president for the whole of the country. Um, that, you know, like, you know, people can change and I'm not saying he will, but I'm not saying he won't. Um, some of the things he's already said after he's become president-elect is quite different from what he said before. And I'm sure there are people in his ear, you know, saying like, yeah, you're the president now. Like you can't, you can't be going on Twitter feuds with 12 year olds on Twitter. Like it's just, yeah, you just can't be doing that as the president anymore. Um, so I'm praying for those people that are around him as well, that they give him the wisdom and discernment of, and the right judgment calls to make in any given situation. Um, and yeah, that's, that's all I can, that's all we can do. Right. I mean, there's the fine line between protesting to, to, to show your frustrations. But then there's also the fine line of, aren't we doing, if, you know, I'm a Democrat, so I'm just going to speak in, that, in those terms. Aren't we doing, aren't we going to do exactly what we expected of the Trump supporters if they had lost, if we take this too far, right? Because the whole situation before the election was of how Trump kept saying, you know, like, we'll see, you know, like how he won't cede power or he won't cede uh, to the election, right? Right, the rig stuff. Yeah, and the rig stuff. And if we push this too far, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is a bad thing what we're doing right now, but if someone takes it a step too far, this is we're, we're playing right into their hands. And it, there's, there's, it's literally it's a fine line. Just one little spark you know, can turn a peaceful protest into a mass rioting and, and tear gas everywhere and you know, cars on fire. Um, so I just hope we know how to balance that fine line. Um, like, don't just protest for the sake of protesting and do it where no message gets across and people you just see on CNN, oh, they're still protesting. Like, that that doesn't get any message across. Uh, but at the same time, there's no need to go too far um, and into it. So I haven't been able to go out to any of the protests. I hope it still does where I can make time to go out to it at least once. Uh, but yeah, I... For me, as a, as an Asian that lives in California, like it hasn't hit me yet. Um, I've seen like, all these, like these Facebook posts and things of you know minorities getting harassed um, and you know being the victim of hurtful words, hurtful actions, and yeah, I'm I'm just thankful for myself. I you know I have friends here, um, you included, of just. Even though I'm a minority here, in California, I, I don't know, at least the Bay Area and how I feel, I don't feel like a minority here. Um, I was a minority at Cal. <laughs> you were a minority at Cal. Um, so yeah, that's that's just my two cents on it. I, yeah, I just am praying for healing in this country and for just understanding. Because you can't argue that your point is always right. You have to be able to listen and be able to understand both sides like objectively regardless of what side you're on and if if one side isn't doing it then the other side has to be more humble and more willing to listen and that that's the only way you're gonna shorten and close this gap that you have yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. two ways it's it's 
it's a, it confirmed the hypothesis. Yes, we're a very divided country. <laughs> very. The solace is like the popular vote went the way that we thought it went. The electoral college is a disaster because it does pull out some of the weight of your vote. Um, at the same time, like you know, they totally underestimated. Like she lost Pennsylvania. She lost Wisconsin and Michigan. Like Democratic, it's eighty-eight. Yeah, and that's the you know that's Biden country, like yeah. Pennsylvania, yeah. working class, working class Joe. And so, um, I I do think the Comey investigation really impacted sort of mm-hmm. the the surge in Florida mm-hmm. and uh, all that because I think people took their approach of like. She could very well be, you know, yeah. a criminal. Like I know it's, yeah. I know it's not true. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to feed that ridiculous argument. Yeah, but there's people out there that probably saw that on CNN as a trending headline five straight days and made up their mind. And I believe in 2012, people said they made up their mind who they're going to vote for in the last five days. Like yeah. it's not something that a lot of us think about it for a long time. But there's a big another big group of people that really probably were on the fence. Right? Yep. So, so anyways. Yeah, let's get in the football stuff. Yeah, let's get in the football <laughs> stuff. But yeah, um, so yeah, those are our two cents. Uh, don't mind us. We just wanted to say it just because it was a historical day in our nation's history. Uh, but moving on. Um, so let's start with our three points of this week. Uh, I believe we'll start with mine because Andy's are mostly have mostly related to Cal. Mm-hmm. Actually, they're all related to Cal. Uh, no, they're mostly related to Cal. You know me. I just want to talk some Cal football. You do. I know. And we'll get into that. Uh, but mine are a little bit more like nationwide. So we'll, we'll start with that. So my first point, number two, three, four, and eight all lose this weekend. What is college football? I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, this is like, it's, I just kept laughing when I saw like the top fifth, top 10, like thing on ESPN during our game. And it showed like what they did this week. It's like Alabama's the only one that crushed Mississippi State, like absolutely crushed them. And then all the other teams are like two-point loss, one-point loss, um, and it just went down from there. I like when they did the X's. (laughs) Yeah, they crossed out. Yeah. Wow, this is cool. (laughs) Yeah, let's combine my uh, third point with this one. Yeah. Um, But this is what I... This is what I love, and this is what I just actually was listening to on the way over in talk radio. They're talking about why the eight-team playoff wouldn't be a good fit and i actually the 18 playoff yeah okay. so expanding to eight okay. i badly want them to expand to eight i don't understand why they wouldn't expand to eight that's more money for the ncaa i don't understand why they wouldn't it's more money and people talk about oh yeah the playoff hasn't been a success because of the uh lack of competitiveness in the games that we've seen so far then you want to know it- why there's a lack of competition in a game the because there's Five weeks in between when you play your last football game and your next one. You have a month off. Teams take – before our bowl game when I was with the team, like working with the team. Um, <laughs> you were with the team. <laughs> with the team. <laughs> we literally didn't do anything for two weeks. Like literally light walkthroughs, maybe. And it was like a, at least a full week off. And you know, finals, maybe another. And then our bowl – like we were in the poinsettia bowl that year. So it's that like was later like, in December, right? Yeah. yeah. And so then – and then we started practicing like 10, 14 days out. So, yeah, you take a month off and everyone's like, wow, Cam Newton looks really rusty in the first quarter. Yeah, no, no. Are you kidding me? Of course <laughs> he does. He hasn't played a football game. You know, that's the thing about the NCAA tournament is the teams get pro- progressively better 
I feel like I watch better and better and better basketball throughout March Madness. Because you're playing at least one or two games a week as you keep winning. Exactly. And then you get this really pure, you don't get the decrepit, you know, injured play. Like, you get this really nice final that's competitive sometimes. But I mean, this past year, final four. Yeah, like, ridiculous. So, pushing it to eight, taking out the FCS, a week of FCS, and then either slotting all the games to start a week later... Or figuring out a way to have the games begin a week earlier, and then have this so the second round would essentially be your New Year's, New Year's Day games. That yeah, the first I wouldn't round to be come around Christmas, like Christmas. That'd be perfect. You're watching the first round of the NCAA football playoff. Then you go into New Year's, and then you have your the championship, championship, and then you have maybe a two to three week window or two weeks off, so it's not too big of a rest. I think you get a really high quality product. Yeah, and then. And then all this gets expanded, and they're like, oh, but the elite teams in college football wouldn't be able to, you know, are, you're, now you're letting in teams that are not elite. But when they're talking about Wisconsin, Michigan, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Clemson, Louisville, uh, Washington, Louisville, and Texas A&M. Yeah, A&M. A&M being or the Oklahoma. only one there that I would be like on the fence of. I think Oklahoma, for me, Oklahoma's eight. So there you go. So I, I have I have no qualms with any of those teams <laughs> being in there. None whatsoever. I mean, this is the biggest issue that we had before the playoffs, right? Like, remember when Peterson was at Boise State and he was going undefeated, and they would not let him into the top two, like I just because of that they weren't a Power Five team, basically. Um, and then you had the first. I mean, the biggest thing that I am concerned about with the whole playoff system with it being four right is can we have a level of consistency in terms of who you're putting in the top four like at least the ncaa tournament like they sit down and the selection committee goes through the rpi they go through the strength of schedule they go through your quality wins they go through your bad losses and they select an entire field of 68 teams that no one has any qualms with every year well well i mean there's qualms there's qualms there's qualms but but i'm saying it's not as big as like you know, like if your school doesn't make it into the top sixty-eight of the of the March Madness tournament, and if if you're a bubble team, then maybe you have some qualms. But I'm saying from one to sixty, like maybe fifty-eight-ish. Like if you're in, you're you're like, oh yeah, we're in. Like no one's mad about it, right? But then mm-hmm. you looked at the first playoff thing that happened two weeks ago, and you have Washington. Ohio State who has a loss, and Michigan or and Washington who does it at number five. And Ohio State at number four. And then the following week, you switch it, and Washington goes up, and Oregon, Ohio State goes down. Wait, For what? No reason. Like, Both coming off wins. Exactly my point. Like, if that's the case, then keep it consistent. Like, keep Ohio State there at four, if that's who you believe is at four, and put Washington at five. Like, despite yeah. the, the, un, un, what's it, the undefeated record. Totally agree. But now that's changed, right? Pretty much everyone except Alabama now has a loss. So the other idea that I had is throwing in a playoff game. So you know how we do the wild card in MLB? So So like the first two seeds get a bye? No, no, no. So you essentially have a a play-in game as the for the fourth spot. So you take the 15th. So in your scenario, Uh, you have Washington play Ohio State and then – Though the winner of that is makes up the fourth team, and then so you that go team has to play an extra game, right? So it's like a wild card, mm. which 
I also think would be more enjoyable than the current system we have now. Yeah. <laughs> like, both improvements. Yeah. yeah. I, just, I mean, the slotting of it is interesting, but I think, to me, that'd be really exciting. And then you don't... Exa- I, it's ridiculous, and they must be aware it's ridiculous to take an t- Ohio State team, <laughs> their record, who just won by 50, and Washington who played a, dec- like a ruined Cal team, and... Be like, oh yeah, Washington looked better. And you're like, okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> flip a flop. <laughs> oh, I just read on my Twitter account that everyone is saying that we should have put Washington. In. Okay, erase and swap. Yeah, like it doesn't. It, I'm I'm baffled by like how the the selection works. All right, so what do you think of Washington's playoff chances then? At this point, they got lucky. They got lucky because even though they lost, everyone around them lost. And at this point, it's anyone's game. Is the Pac-12 good? I at this at right now, yeah. We have Utah, Washington State, Colorado. Washington, SC, and Colorado all ranked. Yeah. And Colorado's creeping into the top ten. What? Yeah. yeah four weeks ago I've been like, no, there's no chance that we have Well, I let me tell you this then, because my Pac twelve game of the week for next week that I picked is Washington State, Colorado. If you had told me at the beginning of the season that this might clinch basically either one of these teams going into the Pac-12 title game, I would have told you to shut up. Washington State might win the Pac-12. It, well, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, if whichever team loses in this game has one loss in their conference game, which means that Washington State, if they were to lose, they'd be tied with Washington, and then the Apple Cup would pretty much decide who goes to the Pac-12 championship but game. But if they win, do they have the tiebreaker then? Or do, does it, would it still be the tiebreaker be the matchup? So no, because like, they'd be a half game ahead because Washington State has one loss. Or Washington has one loss. No, then Washington State. Oh, no, then, yeah, it would still be, it'd be the tiebreaker, basically. Same thing still. Yeah. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's just that it's a top twenty-five ranked matchup between those two teams, yeah. who were for the longest time in our league the doormat to the league, especially Colorado. Yeah, Cougs actually had a heyday. Colorado did not. No, no, they did not. <laughs> well, actually, they did. They were good. They were a top five at a certain point, like, yeah. fifteen years ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and we'll get we'll get into that later. Uh, but then for me also, Clemson goes down as number two. But Deshaun Watson, dear God, that man is amazing. I watched like the the long highlights of that game, and despite their loss, like I don't I don't understand how good that man is. Like I, <laughs> it, it sheer like it's it's just crazy how good he is despite his team. Losing. Like, I don't get how you lose with him being that good is basically what I'm trying to say. I I don't understand. Like, him and Lamar Jackson, I, when watching them play, it's just, how? How how do you do that? Niners are working like, hard for him. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, realistically living in the Bay Area, I don't mind if they landed any of those two guys. Both of them are so dynamic and fun to watch. And they're a lot better than a certain quarterback that's playing for them right now. Well, so. maybe... <laughs> we'll draft Watson, and we'll be so bad the next year that we'll also get Jackson, and we'll have two quarterbacks and reinvent the whole NFL with a two-quarterback system. 
right. Yeah. Can we? Yeah. Little, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Uh, my third point is a simple one. College basketball is back. Oh, I'm so happy. College basketball is back. Hey, can you give me a little bit of the game day experience? What was it like? What was um, the feel? Was it sold out? It was not sold out. It was pretty empty. Like within about ten minutes to tip off. I. But it's understandable. It's a Friday night, a seven p.m. game. So it. If you tip off at 7, like, it's tough to get an entire crowd in there pre-7 on a basically a weekday night, like a Friday night. So, But it did fill out pretty well. Uh, the crowd was pretty amped. Uh, the new video board that they put up last year, of course, is, like, in full effect now. So that was really, really good to see. Um, they had a really nice little intro vid, like, into like the, like, you know, the hype-up vid that they show, like, before they announced the starting five. And, the, you know, for me, it was amazing because they used uh, – some of the lines and the music from the new Star Wars Rogue One trailer. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it was it was really cool. I liked it. I loved it. Um, All right, so the only thing I'd like to add to this is I saw the intros. I thought it was pretty pretty cool. Definitely way different than the cow basketball that I know. Yeah, because the um, video board's there now. Like, it's not yeah. that little small little screen that, like... If you're sitting up top, you can't see. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> but we need to add those like little logo lights that like twist around on the floor. Yeah, on the you floor. Know? Yeah, and maybe something with a bear. They do have one. Okay, they do have one. I don't know why it was not in full effect. On if they had that, day. then I think we would have had everything. Yeah, yeah. You but know, we do have of the little flamethrowers that the warriors have. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a fire hazard. <laughs> yeah, some kid would get their eyebrows burned off like as they're trying to clean the floor. Was Cal a basketball school now? Well, that's my hashtag. Hashtag UC Berkeley basketball school. <laughs> it puts it really perfectly because then it actually is like the depressing side of our football program. <laughs> the fact that basketball is kind of, you know, moved to that position at the same time. Like, thank goodness we have one. Yeah. Thank God we at least have one. North Carolina, when I was watching them lose to Duke, ironically, is the another example of a team that has is a public university solid both high academic standards and can put a decent product on a football field and a decent product on the basketball. Field. Although there is a little asterisk about that university with the whole made up classes for yep. student athletes, so willingly and purposefully <laughs> and purposely ignoring that for right now. <laughs> but I uh, I do think that you know just looking at them and them being ranked, I was like, you know. Yeah, like I mean, they're late per- in the year we we could we can do this. They're perennially like within the twenty to twenty five range every year. They're not like amazing, but I mean, I think they were ranked eighteenth in that going into that Duke game. So it's it's doable. It's doable. It's doable. You this could, is this is why you could be mediocre in one and national contenders in the other. This like is why <laughs> the standards. And this is why people don't get it when they talk to me about Cal and they're like, "Oh, you know, like we're doing well this year," and I'm just like, "No." Not really, <laughs> and, and they're like, "Oh well, why? You know, it's not like hell's ever been great, but no, like, we've had years why of why good. Do we settle for anything less than top twenty-five when we know we can consistently get there. Yep. That is my expectation. I'm not insane saying that we need to have a Rose Bowl every single year, but I want to be competitive, knowing that we have so much that we can offer a student athlete, and that's the thing that just makes this week." And last week, and actually, there's pretty much the whole last month, pretty hard to. Yeah, the last four games have been pretty difficult to watch. In in kind of a nice way. I mean, I wasn't really watching this week's 
too intently. You know, as I told you, I watched the first quarter and then was kind of like, eh. I was yelling at the screen at the bar and <laughs> <laughs> the people I was with were like, what happened to Andy? So we're like, yeah, let's go to a bar that doesn't play the game. And then I'd walk by a bar checking on it. Um, but let's get into your three, yeah. three point or your three points. I mean, we already talked about one with the U- University of Washington's playoff uh, implications, but the other two points are about Cal football. So let's delve into that before we delve into the game. Okay, first I want to start off with the second one, which was what Avi posted about the Pac-12, Sonny's Pac-12 record. And I think does not have a winning record in Pac-12 play over his four years. And then if you look at that by comparison of prior Cal coaches, it still ranks really poorly. And it is a very interesting perspective to look at with Sonny because it's hard to remember such a polarizing coach. You know, generally, um, you have a coach that either the fans generally like or the fans generally don't like. But Sonny does a couple things well, I think, like really well. He, he runs offense extremely well. He runs a clean program. So don't hear, I mean, outside of the uh, strength, and conditioning, strength and conditioning and Fabiano Hale incident in the locker room, pretty clean, like guys aren't getting arrested, none of the BS that's going down at UCLA, yeah, the baby bears, UCLA. Yeah. So he does that, and then they're graduating at a stellar rate. And so kudos, hats off, mm-hmm. keep it going. But then he also does some some things really poorly. Like you can tell he doesn't really understand how to manage a game, uh, whether he's winning or losing. Like he he struggles. He we never really beat opponents that we're sp- supposed to like get blown out by. Mm-hmm. We don't really upset anyone, mm-hmm. and we don't tend to blow anyone out. And and so you know I guess ironically enough, this will tie right into this other point where Ross Bowers doesn't come into the game and Sonny draws up a quote that says something along the lines of, we were waiting to get the ball back so we could put him in the game. Like, the game was out of hand. Funny, I thought we heard that a couple weeks ago. We heard, and that was, that was the thing, was like, <laughs> since we asked it, I was like, for sure someone needs to ask the follow-up. I was like, no, sorry, that, that didn't work last week, especially because what you said was pretty inaccurate in regards to where the game clock was at. So can we get an actual response here? Yeah. Like, that's not, like, what's going on. You, you have... Like why risk injury? You have the big game. What in the like? What in the world is the reason to have any of your starters still in that football game? I mean, so so once again for me, the the point about this whole backup quarterback thing is the 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 situation in both this game and the Washington game so eerily similar, right? You pull all your wide receivers, like Jordan Duncan, who I love. He's, I think he's going to be a stud wide receiver, but right now he's he's down deep on the depth chart. He was in on those final two drives. And who's still in? Chad Hansen is still in. But who's the running back? No Trey Watson, no Calfani. It's Patrick Laird. Patrick Laird. So I'm confused. You put your third and fourth string in at wide, a certain wide receiver positions, but you keep your starters on the other side, and then you change out your running back to your third and fourth running backs and you put out your starter and you think that you're still going to put up points? It's actually more egregious than Chad Hansen's in that football game. Yeah. <laughs> than it is Davis Webb, which yeah. is funny because my, most of my anger comes from the Davis Webb. Yeah. But the fact that Chad Hansen is in there with a gimpy ankle and he's not 100%, what are you possibly <laughs> We have two winnable games, both at home. What what in the world? Both against in-state rivals too. Is, is preventing you from pulling that player and saying, "Nope, 
we're just going to focus on Stanford. Fine. And the excusable one is I never want to show to my players that we're going to lose. Except it's not excusable because of everything you just said. So what is the second? And that's the question I want to ask. It's like, look, I understand game clock, but, you know, clearly uh, we saw with Washington, Bowers has has his helmet on with, you know, Almost all of the fourth quarter. He said he he, had, he said Bowers had his helmet on this game too, and he was warming up, ready to go in. So then why? why? <laughs> and that's the question I want to get at. It's just why? Yes, yeah. I I have no I have no like hypothetical answer to this question. Like I I can usually think of like even some absurd answer to cover. Maybe maybe this is how he was thinking. As absurd as it sounds. There is no single reason behind not playing Bowers. If you had all your starters in there, right? Like, let's say you had Hanson in there. You had uh, D-Rob in there. Like, you had all those guys. And you had either Calfani or Trey in there. And you were just at least trying to get the game, like, to a reasonable ending. Right? Because, I mean, we'll delve into it. But the game ended 56 to 21. Let's say you just wanted the game to end uh, 56, like, 34 or something like that. Yeah. Right? Understandable. Totally. Totally understandable. Silly. Silly, but understandable. <laughs> okay? But but what what do you do instead? You switch out only half of your starters to the guys that don't get any reps. And then you keep the other half in, which are arguably the more important two mm-hmm. to winning a game. They're the more, more important two to winning the football game for next week in the, their health. They're also, their backup, or at least one the backup quarterback, in them getting game experience. I don't even care if Ross Bowers is never going to touch the football in, in an actual football game for your program. It is better with him having experience than not having it. Yeah. Whether it be against backups, whether it, real game experience matters. Seeing a defense, like, that's not a scout team, what they're showing you, all that matters. When and those guys aren't getting looks. Yeah. I mean, here's here's my little parallel to basketball. If you're down 25, you have a 30-30-30 team. Yeah. You're down 30, you're up 30, or there's 30 minutes to go in the ball game. Exactly. And if you're up 25 in a basketball game, regardless of what, what at what point you are, you're pulling your starters if it's like in the third quarter. Okay? If you're the team that's up 25. The losing team, you're going to keep your starters in because you're going to try and maybe shrink it a little bit. Or you're going to put in your backups and see if maybe they can get some energy to shrink the lead against uh, playing against their backups. That works in basketball because you can go on runs. Football, when you don't have the time on your side, you can't go on these runs to make up this much of a gap. Mm-hmm. And for me, the, the key thing is, like, Tedford, when he was here, um, when we got into these types of games, towards the end of his reign here, guys like Bo Sweeney, guys like Brock Manchin, all got playing time. And it was more of a throw them out there, let's see what we can do. Tedford loved Bo. Exactly. He loved yeah. Bo Sweeney. So there might have been a little bit of a... Okay. Yeah. But regardless, he was at, at least using them, right? And on the other side of this, yeah, if you see Washington State put on Helinski, you know the game is over. The guy threw a little over 10 passes last week, too. And then he comes in and he throws a couple more passes in this game. At that point, you know the game is over. For any fan watching the game, you know the game is over. And the announcers. And the announcers. 
And then what happens is you put in your starters and you see Chad Hansen limp off. You see Davis Webb take three crushing hits and just shake his head off on some of those hits. Why? <laughs> Why? And I'm not saying I'm not saying the backup quarterback should be in there as like a, a test dummy to take all those hits, right? But the guy could get in there and maybe get hit a couple times and say, okay, I'm getting my little game rhythm back. Mm-hmm. Get a couple of this feel 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 like a football player on a football field again, not on just a practice field. And maybe that gets something going. Maybe you see a little spark in him, and he goes throws two touchdowns to end with uh, to end the game with only ten minutes in the fourth quarter. Like you, maybe you see that little spark of magic that you don't see on a practice field. It's fundamentally why Oregon is in a better position than we are. Yeah, I think is because they are willing to make that switch transition, and and we haven't been. I I mean I'm hats off to Oregon at least offensively because. You went from Dakota Prukop, who was a grad transfer, didn't play amazing, but didn't play terribly. He's just mediocre. But then you say, all right, to hell with this. Let's at least give the freshman guy a shot because our season is, at this rate, going down the drain. And it looks like they found a gem, in my opinion. I think they found their quarterback for the next four years or three years. So That's what, yeah. And if you ask me, would I rather in a – Transition year, but I rather that. I, I take that. I would take Oregon's experience right now, knowing that you're setting yourself up for three plus years of probably mediocrity yeah. or no, even no, no, worse. Like, no, 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 three plus. I think by finding your quarterback. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's okay. a huge answer, yeah. right? But and he's also I mean, he's, he plays two ways. Like he can run, he can throw. He mm-hmm. looks good. Yeah. Whereas we're left in a position where you know we're looking at Max Brown. We're looking at different grad transfers that are going to come in and because why well the gap that existed between Goff and the next guy is still going to be the gap that exists between Webb and the next guy and that is a really uncertain position to be in so unless they really have something in their back pocket they're like doesn't really matter I mean if I was Bowers I'd be like what am I doing here why did you guys bring me in here to not have me play in these types of games yeah, I'm just in the whole book of, like, we're not setting ourselves up for success in the future is basically what we're doing. And if you don't put him in now, what gives you the confidence that he'll perform later on when it's winning games? Realistically, like when, it's it's also, like, now we have Stanford and UCLA, the two games that are, like, those, USC... USC, Washington, and Washington State, those three games were all the games where they could got experience. Now you're looking at there's no excuse against UCLA to not have a close game. There's no excuse against uh, Stanford to not have a close game. And if we don't have a close game with both of them, we're not going to be talking about the backup quarterback anymore. We're going to be talking about the longevity of our coaching staff. And so then you look at the next game that Bowers is going to play in, realistically first game next year. Why did you just pass on those three opportunities to get him game time? It, yeah, so I would rather much go. I would. I'll say this on the record: I'd rather much go three and eight with a freshman quarterback than go six and six with a vet that's only here for one year. I might take six and six because of the bowl game experience. I, I still think that's the extra practices. All okay, that yeah. matters, but. I if you said five and seven okay five and seven even with a big game win yeah and that's like the big thing for mm-hmm. me is I would sacrifice a big game win to to lose it and go three and eight or whatever it is 
and uh, take that losing record and then uh, come into the next year knowing that we're better off with somebody who's at the helm. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's the that's the optimism we all felt with that 1-11 season, right? Like, we saw what Goff could do, and we saw that this kid could be really good. Like, he, he, sh- he wasn't consistent, but he showed the little sparks, the little moments, right? You know, the, the in, for me, the biggest moment for Goff as a freshman was in that Stanford game when he stood in that pocket, mm-hmm. he threw a dime, and still got drilled by Shane Scoff, and that's when he... Uh, was it a shoulder. Yeah, right? separated shoulder or broke his shoulder. And he had surgery in the offseason, but I—that's the moment I knew this kid. This kid has something like he—he he can be good, and he has now the reps to do so. Um, and you know, of course, the the Northwestern game at the beginning of the year too—that you know, we started off the game with or coming out of halftime, he threw those two dimes to to Chris Harper, and I I said, oh yeah, okay, we maybe we can build on this guy, but we can't build on a one-year grad transfer. And let's say, okay, yeah, maybe just use this as a transition year. Then if you're in position to get the next guys up a chance at reps, you have to take those chances. Yeah. And I tweeted this out yesterday too. Like people were, t- people were tweet- tweeting about like how maybe this is the pad, his stats. Cause if you look at Davis Webb stats and we'll look into it right now is his stats weren't, if you look at his stats, just the stats, right? And let me look, let me read you just his stats. All right, Davis Webb was a thirty-four of fifty-three with one interception, four hundred twenty-five yards, three touchdowns. His longest his longest throws for fifty-nine yards. So if you look at just that stat, that's a pretty good quarterback stat line, right? But it's just that some of those some of those long passes and like the touchdown came in garbage, like meaningless. We were already down by like thirty points. Um, but back to my original point was. There's no use of you padding your stats if you're not going to make it to the NFL, right? And I'm not saying that he doesn't have the talent to. I'm just saying, like, what if he's just in there and he gets drilled like he did on some plays towards the end of the game? You break your shoulder or you tear a rotator cuff or you, uh, you do something, right? I see what you're saying. You I thought you were saying that on talent. I was like, oh. <laughs> no, I think he has the talent to go. Okay. But if you know you're going to lose, like, what good is it to pad your stats a couple more throws? In risk injury. Yeah. Yeah. Totally fair. That's a good point. I think at some point, even as a... If, if you're a quarterback, right, and you're not dedicated to this program, like, in my opinion, this is... Guys who go to grad transfer for one year, it's more like a stopgap, right? It's like to to maybe get that one extra step on that ladder to maybe get yourself to the NFL. It's not... It's more so about your skill set and how that can be spotlighted versus you trying to play for the program. Which is what Goff did. Goff played for the program, right? He stayed with the coaching change. Um, but so if that's the case, then why? Like we all know you're competitive, right? You just be like, like coach, we should put Bowers in. You know, like I'm not, I'm not against, I'm not for like players like who come out who can't like toughen up through like maybe like a like a rolled ankle or something like that, but. I think there just comes a point where you have to take one if you're really about the team, right? If you're really as he as he's been saying, like he really likes the team, he really likes Berkeley, like he loves all that. Then at some point you should be able to take that step back and be like, you know what, you know we're not going to come back in this game. Like this would be a good opportunity for the younger guys to learn. 
It'd be awesome. It's an interesting dynamic, though, because then I, I agree with you. Yeah, I'd love to see that, but at the same time, like, no, as, you're as, not as a coach, it. like in as a manager, do you want one of your like yeah player like players coming yeah. after you and saying, "Nah, take me out of this game"? Yeah. Like the coach. It, bottom line it has to be Spav. It has to be Dykes. Like yeah, they, no, they that decision to. by Spav or by Dykes should have already been made, mm-hmm. right? At that point in the game, like Webb shouldn't even need to be saying that. Exactly. They should be pulling him and putting him on the bench and saying, We're, we got two more we got two more chances to get to a bull game. And these two games are yeah. against in state rivals. Yeah, exactly. Ah, oh, dude. Yeah, this one this one could get but the blood boiling. Yeah. It, it's really it is that simple though. The yeah. way you framed it right there is like we have two winnable games at home. And we can still get to a bowl game from those two. We're sitting you now. We're putting in Bowers. Chad, we're sitting you now. Rest your ankle. Get ready to get the axe back. And then focus everyone on that game so that everyone is on that level. And then get the other guys. In the meantime, you have a nice little, like, you know, uh, full circle (laughs) where you start having your younger guys get some experience. And the season's not lost. We, we're playing like the season's lost. We're, we're yeah. playing like the season's over, and the season by no means is over. Definitely right not. We got Stanford at home. We can win the axe. We win the axe. We take that. Uh, you know, that it would be a huge vic- like victory. And then you go into UCLA, and that's also an extremely winnable game. And you go 6-6. Six and six, You get into a, a bowl game, and, you know, potentially a bowl game probably. And you get the extra practices, and... That's great for the younger guys and Davis Webb gets to show off and national TV again and there you go, there you go. Win win for everybody. That's the that's the the vision that I want as someone who wants to go to the NFL is I want to be in the bowl game. I don't want to be get yeah like evaluate my film against the second team reps or second team against Washington yeah. State. <laughs> like it's not where I want to be seen. Yeah, I think we talked about this game enough. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna skip. Yeah, there's only there's there's one thing I do want to talk about though. Is Chan Hansen was in this game? He had 11 receptions for 139 yards. Demetrius Robinson had six receptions for 141 yards and a touchdown. The one question I have to you, and I I wanted to talk about this. We'll talk about this for a couple just a couple minutes before we move on. How badly has our offense deteriorated over the course of the season? Yeah, that's the only really thing I want to talk about with this game. Yeah, I think the opening drive was the most pathetic thing I've seen especially because I have to scout out the Washington yeah. State defense. And they're good against the run. They're really good. Why in the world didn't we go with more of a San Diego State type of game plan? And we did the second drive. That was the, that was the frustrating thing to me. And the special teams thing, yeah, whatever, it was kind of hilarious. Because we came out there, we did two boring like runs. Like We didn't even bother to run a freaking screen, like throwing it out or making it interesting. And we were in two like off tackle uh, runs, and then what, it was like an incompletion or something happens. Yeah. An incompletion, three and out, so fast. Couldn't have been a faster three. It was almost like we never had the ball. Yeah, I looked. I looked down for a second, and then I looked up, and it was third down, and I was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> what ridiculous. happened?" And then so, and then we punt, and then they score, and then we get the ball back, and then the offense looks much better. Was, you know, play like passes. I would open that game up with well, maybe four or five like. I don't want to say this straight, but like, you know, maybe five out of seven first play, like I go way pass heavy. I mean, you know, this, their pass defense is not that good. Their run defense is top 25. Like why in the world 
are you opening up with such a pass or such a run heavy drive? That makes yeah. So I think the deterioration of the offense is is a very v- valid concern, and it we look so much at the defense, but sometimes no, I, the defense has been consistently bad. That's the like they're at least consistent in how how like you know they're not they're they're not like you know bottom bottom gutter because they have moments where they're good right it's not like they're just getting trampled on throughout um but they're they're consistent and they've had a lot of injuries especially on the back end and on the d-line as well and that usually means that targeting call yeah yeah the targeting call too <laughs> i don't even want to talk about the targeting Lord call Jaylen. yeah um but at least they didn't call pi i thought they were calling pi and i, was like, I oh, thought they were calling pi that's not a pi but it was targeting. It was targeting. It was. It was. It, there's no. You don't. You can't put your arms up and lead with your helmet. Like if he if he dipped his shoulder instead and let, led with that, they probably wouldn't have called it. They probably would have called it back, in my opinion. But it's just he led with the helmet. He hit the guy. He hit Game Mark hard. Um, but back to the point. How bad has this offense deteriorated over the last three four weeks? Like you know how you remember how we started off the season. Like, Hawaii was like, you know, we all said, oh, it was just a bad first step. You know, like, everyone's just trying to get together. You know, there were a lot of butterflies in the stomach, and Davis Webb getting adjusted to the wide receivers. And we said, all right, yeah, we'll let that one pass. And then comes along the Texas game, where our offense was on fire. Texas (laughs) defense also pretty bad. Yeah. Well, they lost Malik Jefferson in that game, too, for a little bit. Or, like, for... Yeah. Like, 50% of the game, too, so... But, I mean, overall, like, all our long balls were, were on point. Like, everything was working. Everything was moving. And then comes the San Diego State game. And, yeah, we, we our offense got, ourselves, got, our, got us back into it. That was a good game. Yeah. The only reason we lost was because of that interception at the end. Like, realistically, we were in the game the whole time. There was nothing we'd do against Pumphrey, though. I mean, that guy was amazing. Even Oregon State... The offense was a little frustrating, but it was still... They got the job done. Yeah. And then it's sort of fallen off. Like, it's hard because against Washington, we actually did have pretty good production, like, in the first half. Yeah. we. If you had taken the first half of Washington and applied it to Washington State, we're talking about a whole different ballgame probably. But we had that first half against Washington that fall off. I, the first half against Washington was impressive. Like I, I sat there and was like, thought we played pretty competitive football on the offensive side of the ball. But this game didn't have that feel. I, I don't know. It's just not like, I don't think it's, it, it is noticeable. But at the same time, I don't see it as being like a big warning sign. I think those two possessions that we had where we came away with zero points. Well, also not um, having Chad Hansen throughout like, yeah, like the entire UCL, USC, Oregon, like that whole. Yeah, I mean, you have Demetrius Robert, you have Demetrius Robertson drop that ball against SC. You have a couple of, uh, you have a turnover, and you just have two possessions inside, like their territory, where you come up with zero points against Washington State. And the offense is, it's still, it's still there. It's just not as, I think the pressure of the defense being just so bad. And the offense just feeling like they have to play perfect. Yeah. Is it as soon as that punt return happened? How many people, myself <laughs> included, do you think just went? Yeah, game's over. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're gonna spot them seven. <laughs> we can't spot them seven. What do you mean? No. I mean, we can't spot them seven and then know that they're gonna get the ball in the second half. You're essentially saying they're gonna at least, no matter what, have a seven point lead. So I think the offense is is struggling and I was very let down by the first opening drive and some of the play calls that I saw throughout the first quarter. But 
I also think that my still my the ire of this football team for me, or I don't even know if I'm saying this right, but it's it's all on AK. It's all on Art Kaufman. And we'll we'll delve into that towards the end of the podcast. Uh, but for now, let's move on um, to our games of the week. Uh, what was your game of the week um, for this past week? Oh, SC Washington, and what a game that was! Mm-hmm. That was awesome. It was a fantastic game. So that pick to end the game was probably one of the most athletic interceptions I had ever seen in like my life. Iman, right? I believe it was Adderay. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I believe it was Adderay. I mean. Even but even that like it was you just had to tip your hat to the to Adderay because Jake Browning in you know in that play moves around in the pocket perfectly sees the opening in the front so in, he looks like he's about to take off and draws the linebackers but he stops right in front of the line of scrimmage and plants that front foot and just throws a dart to I believe it was John Ross who was there I I had to just assume that it'd be John Ross being covered by Adderay Jackson and then it just he does the little jump where he wraps around him and plucks it off. And that yeah, was awesome. The, <sighs> his read on it was incredible yeah. and recovery. And then you know receiver doesn't go as ba- far back to the ball. It was, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Uh, my game of the week uh, was the UCLA Colorado game. I I legitly thought maybe UCLA could put up a fight. And the answer is no. <laughs> and Colorado is that good too, so that's yeah. That, there's a reason they're a top fifteen team, despite two losses. Go back in time. Who'd you <laughs> hire, Dykes or McIntyre? Keep in mind you have to sacrifice everything with Jared Goff. Uh, I'd still hire Dykes. Woo. Mm. That's yeah, a good, that's a good question. That is a very good question. All right, let's move on uh, to our next game this week. It is big game week, folks. It is big game week. Beat Stanford. Beat is Stanford. Really the only thing that matters <laughs> at this point. At this point. It is a must-win game times 10. I think these last two games, like, and I don't want to look too far ahead because, you know, we play UCLA during Thanksgiving weekend, but if even if we had a losing season, Right, even if we weren't going to be bowl eligible with these two wins, like let's say we already we had accumulated one more loss, right, and st- mathematically we wouldn't be bowl eligible. I still think these two games are must wins because Sunny still had has not beaten a California school, mm-hmm. right, and this is like it looks very, very, very doable. Very good both. The line this week is ridiculous. 14 to Stanford. I just don't agree with that. And I think to kind of like eat some crow, <laughs> I think I shouldn't have chosen Cal to beat Washington State last week. But I actually think this is a winnable game. And I said the same exact thing last week. So this means it's like worth 50% less, right? Mm-hmm. But Stanford's down. Their offense is, is very vanilla. And our offense, I'm still convinced can beat, you know, a Stanford defense that isn't near what it used to be. And we get them at home. We play really well at home. We played Washington, Washington, a very good Washington team, extremely well in that first half. If we can get the team focused, get them oriented around that axe, I think we can take this game. 
I think we can too. And I don't even think he could. It doesn't even have to be close. No. I think Cal could win by 10. I think we could win by two two scores. Easy. So, let's delve into it just a little bit. Who is our X Factor for the game? McCaffrey. On our side. Oh, uh, on us? their side? Let's go with their side. McCaffrey. McCaffrey. I can't wait to watch. I'm happy he's healthy. Let's beat him with their best. Please. Please. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all I want to watch <laughs> is just watch him run and see us try and tackle him. I actually, I for me, for me, this is a point of just, like, the football fan in me that wants to watch is their O-line play, like, in person, like, from the box, because you get a better view of, you know, the movements and stuff. I really want to see, like, how, you know, they're... Arguably, they are O-line you in terms of producing for the NFL. So I want to see what they do, what those O-line guys do so well that they constantly get first, second round picks into the NFL. Yeah, it's going to be great, and we're going to have the windows up. So Thank we're going to be able to hear yes. the yes. – it's going to be like an act going to an actual football game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can actually talk in the box too. 2.30 kickoff time. For those who – anyone who didn't know that, start celebrating in the, tre- in the streets. 2.30 p.m. on Pac-12 Networks. Right. Fantastic. Our only our second game that's not on national TV. Did you know that? That's crazy. It felt like a lot of ESPN games this year. It was ESPN and Fox. Those were our two. Like, what? <laughs> a lot of national exposure. A, a lot, lot of losses. losses. <laughs> no, but at the same time, I mean, we beat Oregon in overtime on a Friday night game. We beat Utah, who was ranked at the time on a goal line stand. Like, the, we had some highlights in terms of being on primetime TV. Fair. And Texas, too. And we're going to be Stanford. Yeah. On Pac-12 <laughs> Networks. That only people with Comcast get, pretty much. Yep. So. All right. Let's, who's the X-Factor on our side? Wavis. Wavis? Yeah. Wait. Wavis Deb. Wavis Deb. Yeah, I mean, I think he has to be. Number 77 quarterback. Right? Every game we've won, he's played a pretty near flawless game. No turnovers. Um, yeah, so I think he has to. He has to find it. Like, it's noticeable. He's missing receivers more frequently right now. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know what the deal is. But he has Chad Hansen. He has his usual targets. Well, that's if Chad is ready to go because he limped off towards the end of the Washington State game, and he could not put weight on that foot, and he was on the bench, and there was a medic guy, like, looking over the ankle. So, what? Yeah. Yeah, that and on top of that, um, on the defensive side, Marlon Franklin was kept at a hospital in Pullman, I believe. What? Head injury? I don't know what it was. I mean, it look, from the looks of what it was during the game, it looked like he just got low-blowed, like, really hard. Uh, and he was just... He had to stay overnight in the hospital? I guess so. But I, they, uh, Cal Rivals tweeted out that he's okay. Like, he'll, he's coming back uh, to Berkeley. But just the fact alone that he had to stay overnight there and couldn't make the trip back. Big deal. Big deal. Defense, uh, though, it's like, yeah, get in line, right? Yeah. Just so many injuries. Yeah. All right, well... Lame. <laughs> Still Davis Webb. What yeah. about you? Uh, Chad Hansen. No matter how bad Davis Webb throws, he always seems to find Chad Hansen. Like, like his throws to some of our other receivers, like, some are terrible. Like, the VC and stuff, like, he, like, threw way ahead of them or over their head or Stovall, like, way over. Like, he threw to... He, Threw Stovall twice, I believe, and it made it look like he thought Stovall was like six foot five. <laughs> so, yeah, Hanson is definitely a must. Um, we need that one guy that can take away their best corner, which I believe is Meeks. I, be- I think Meeks is their best corner. 
So we need one guy to take away that and they're focused to be on that. Like they're locked up in that matchup. That opens up our slot. That opens up the other side. Um, and we just need to get that going. All right. How about your prediction? Uh, my prediction? Oh, Lord. I didn't check what the over and under is for this game. Uh, but w- as we know, the spread is 14 and it's been right. Vegas has been right in terms of Cal games most of the time. Or at least I think all the time this year. Mm-hmm. The over is too high against Washington State, though. Yeah. Well, it dropped. It was started at 110, I believe, before game time. It dropped to 89. Oh, wow. So, reasonable. Hmm. No, they nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's your prediction? I think Cal wins. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We've been wrong on this so, so many often. times. 45-35. Cal wins 35-32. I don't even know how they get 32. I don't know. <laughs> Cal wins by three at home. Okay. Is 32 possible? We'll find out. Yeah. Is 32? Let's see. Uh, Yes, they could get 20. They can get 16 safeties. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) It's it's possible. (laughs) Anything is in the realm of possibility. Anything. All right. If you have your predictions, please let us know. We'd love to know your predictions. Uh, All right. Our next Pac-12 games of this upcoming week. Andy, what is yours? UCLA versus USC. You know what? I'm actually surprised by this, that we're not the only team. This is a side note. That we're not the only team that has a rivalry game this week. Because usually how it's been is the big game's always the week before, like that final week. And that final week is usually where most teams play their big rivalry game. But the fact that this week, LA plays their, the two LA schools plays their rivalry game too. It's, it's big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that game... Everyone knows why that's important. SC looks great. Clay Hilton as a coach is an example I used when we lost to Washington or SC. I think probably SC and said, you can hire someone like Clay Hilton and they can do well in the Pac-12. I realize there's a talent disparity there. You could hire in-house and it sometimes works out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the LSU with Ed Orgeron's looking pretty not bad as well. No, he won't stay. I I know he won't, but what I'm saying is at least the interim tag worked out pretty nice. Not bad. Um, what's your prediction for that game? Who do you think wins? SC's going to win. SC's going to win. Um, yeah, there's no way UCLA's going to win that game. But it's, it's still interesting. It could be close. It's just rivalry games. You never know. Rivalry games, you just never know. Uh, my game is, uh, as I said earlier, the Washington State-Colorado game. It's a ranked matchup this late in the season against Washington State against Colorado. Like, what? <laughs> like, everything I knew about college football is just out the window. It's just—it's too bad. It's been such a fun year, and we've been not a part of it. Like we've been a part of it at the beginning, and then just haven't been. It's just one of those years where it easily could have been Cal's year. Mm-hmm. But, 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 all right, all right. Well, that's it for football. A little quick little basketball talk. So I was at the basketball game, um, and we talked about it earlier in the podcast. But just—I uh, I want one and only thing from you. What did you want from me? What is? The deal with Ivan Rab's injury. So here it is. I will read you. I have it with me. The official uh, note from Cal Athletics that we got maybe about 30 minutes before tip-off. Because right about 30, 30, 45 minutes before tip-off, the Cal team came on to you know do their layup lines and just jump shooting and stretches. And Ivan Rab was in street clothes. So we, I, we looked at it and we're like, okay, he's in street clothes, which means he's not playing tonight. 
And then, lo and behold, we get this statement from Cal Basketball, which says, California men's basketball sophomore Ivan Rad will not suit up for Friday's season opener against South Dakota State, head coach Conzo Martin announced today, meaning on Friday. Uh, we're, quote, we're looking forward to welcoming Ivan back to our lineup, but our priority first and foremost is ensuring he returns to full health. We are working closely with our medical staff through Ivan's treatment and will continue to evaluate his progress. End quote. Ivan Rab remains day-to-day after suffering a toe sprain in Cal's secret scrimmage against St. Mary's in October. He has attended team practices with limited participation in full contact drills. They had a secret scrimmage? They did. On Halloween, I believe. That's allowed? Yeah. Because it's just, it's just unkept records. It's just the two teams just saying, hey, let's just run a scrimmage. Just, mm. you know, we're not going to play each other this year. Um, so let's just run a little... That's pretty cool. A little practice. That's so, good to see. Yeah. So it's nice to see that like the local Bay Area teams are kind of teaming up together, just saying, "Hey, we just need someone to practice against." Why not? Why don't we do that? Yeah, why not? Behind closed doors, no one will ever know. Um, so yeah, so it is sprained toe. It doesn't look anything bad. He didn't have a boot, a boot on his foot or anything um, during the layup lines and you know the shooting drills. Like he got the ball, dribbled a couple times, would pass it to the teammates so they can catch passes and shoot. So it looks like he'll be fine. Um, I think this was more precautionary than it was, like, a reaction of, like, can it get worse? So, he'll be fine. I think he'll be suiting up for that Wednesday game against UCI. Uh, but Can't wait. Even without... So, I just want to talk about two statistics from this game. Is So, Cal won 82-53, to 53, okay? But, here you go. Your final statistics for the basketball game. Um, but here's the here's the really, really, really cool part uh, about defensively. So we didn't have our pretty much our best defensive player. And yet, South Dakota State, who was a tourney team last year, um, Cal has actually scouted South Dakota State uh, previously because they were the team that they were playing. They were the team that was playing Maryland. And if we had beaten Hawaii, we would have played either of South Dakota State or Maryland. So they have scouted this guy, uh, this team before. But the field goal percentage, they shot 9-26, to 34.6% in the first half which dropped to 7 of 30, 23.3% in the second half. They also shot worse from three. They went 4 of 12, uh, 33.3% in the first half, and then they shot 4 of 18, 22.2% in the second half. They were abysmal in the second half. Yeah, and we're talking, this is South Dakota State. We lowered their percentage. and then, But then you look at ours on the flip side. We shot 16 of 35 in the first quarter from the field, 45.7%. Then we increase that to 14 out of 29, 48.3%. There you go. That's, that's, and then you look at all like the secondary stats, right? Like Cal points in the paint had 32 compared to South Dakota 16. We had 17 points off the turnovers compared to their nine. We had 21 second chance points compared to their two. We had 40 bench points compared to their five. That is a recipe to win. And that's, this is without our best player. I, I'm, I was blown away. I mean, I expected this team to be better than last year's. I said that from the get go. I, I fully expected this team to be better, um, but the ball movement, guys knowing what they had to do, um, setting ball screens away from the ball, constantly moving, and guys who got the pass already knew what they wanted to do within about two three seconds of receiving the pass. Whether it was one, whether they were going to pass whether they were going to dribble, drive, and dish, or whether they were going to just just pull up for a shot. Like, they, the quick decisions helped so much. Like, there was no ball movement being stagnant when it got into, like, last year, like, in Ty's hands or Jalen's hands. Granted, 
I'm not saying they were ball hogs. Like, they were good with the ball. But ball didn't move a lot as a team as much. But this, like, it was just spot on. I mean, the key, also another key stat for me was Cameron and Kingsley had four blocks apiece. But they only had, Rooks had no fouls and Kingsley had only three. And they blocked eight shots total together. That's, that's exactly what you want from your center. You want a rim protector that doesn't foul. And he did that. That's great. We look good. I'm excited to go. Yeah. We will be there on Wednesday. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One, also, one stat that uh, Larry, one of our writers on our site, um, compiled and he told me was, so we put in our, we put in our walk-ons at about the one-minute, 30-minute one minute mark before the game was over. And our defense uh, restricted their team to... 0.69 points per possession. So I don't know if you know if that means it's good or bad. That's really good. Because that means uh, uh, the number of points divided by the number of times they got the ball on offense. Yeah. Which what's means... A good, what's a good point per possession? Under one. No, I mean, what's a, what's a good for an offense? Oh, for an offense, you want, you want close to 1.5. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. As an offense, you want close to 1.5 because you want at least a bucket and a half every time you, you get the ball and enter there half the court. But we got them to basically half a basket. Incredible. Defensively incredible. So, yeah, the boys look good. Um, everybody looks good, in my opinion. So, yeah. There you have it. So, our next game is against uh, UCI uh, this upcoming Wednesday. So if you're there, if you're in Berkeley or anywhere around, please come out to the game. Come say hi. Yeah, we'll be in the press row, which is right next to section one. So we're like in a corner, but we're pretty close to the floor. So it's pretty good seats. Pretty nice seats. Questions? Uh, questions. All right, we have a couple questions uh, from fans today. So I got one ready. All right, you want to read it for me? Yeah. All right. This is from Norman. Um, how long will the current or how long will Cal keep current football coaches? At least a genuine change in defense. All right, you want to handle this one first? I do have a tweet that I want to read out uh, that okay. regards this, but you can go ahead. Well, if it was my team, I would get rid of Kaufman after, regardless, I've been saying this, regardless of the last two games of the year, I'd get rid of Kaufman then. If you go to a bowl game, great, you go to the bowl game with give somebody else on the staff an opportunity to take that position. Who cares? And start recruiting earlier so that you can get a coach that you want and get in there and then also allow them, if you hire them and turn around quickly, the opportunity to recruit some of their own players. Or some of the recruits that they got to Mm -hmm. whatever school they were at. Yeah. So will that happen? I don't know. I don't know. If, If we don't make a bowl game, it makes it really easy. Like, as soon as we lose to UCLA or, or Stanford. Stanford, maybe the week following if it's Stanford, but as soon as that game wraps up, it's probably, yeah, our Coffin's contract's not going to be renewed. Um, but if we win the bowl game, keeping around would be silly. But we have no reason to suspect that Sonny, given the way he's treated Bowers, will actually think that way. So, might not be. What do you here's agree, my, agree, disagree? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and here's my tweet. This is from my favorite man, Bryce Treggs. He tweeted tweeted out yesterday. Okay, so how many points does Cal need to give up before a change is made on defense? And then a couple hours later, he goes, can't watch anymore. (laughs) 
All of us. That, all of us, Bryce. Doesn't that sum up everything? Perfectly. Um, and then uh, our yeah. other one. Yes. It's from Adams. Yes. Our dear friend Adams. Our dear Arnold. friend. Who I've been having a lot of fun with on Twitter. He's fun. When will we stop being bad? It's a very generic question, but I don't know. I've had a lot of friends come up to me and jokingly been like, you know, when was Cal ever good? Um, it wasn't that long and, ago. I know, but this comes. This also comes from guys that went to Duke. So, like, they don't understand the realm of, like, college football. Good doesn't necessarily mean winning championships year in and year out. Um, good means winning your league or getting to a significant bowl game. Uh, so I just I just write them off as they don't know what they're talking about most of the time. But yeah, when will we be good? That is a very good question. I thought I thought last year was the year that we turned the corner. Um, We're good enough last year. Yeah, we're good enough. And the what if scenarios just start piling in like at this point in the season now, um, prior to the season beginning. Is the what if had Goff? What if Goff had stayed, right? Yeah, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore because it's all the defense. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder what he could have done with this wide receiver core. I think it would have been just I think, as productive. I think it would have been more productive. I think he could have set more more records. Yeah, I just think that you know maybe different coordinator. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think that you nailed it. Right? You, what is the what is the definition of good? To me, like the Dykes threshold, I think is what we've seen eight eight wins. It seems it seems so stupid yeah. because and like, then the- nine wins was so easy this year. Like we totally could have won nine games. So it's almost like I can still say Sonny could be a nine win coach, maybe. <laughs> maybe like an eight win average coach, but the occasional nine or ten win season. But is it looking like no? I don't think he can do nine or ten. No, I, I just don't think so. Uh, I think that when will Cal be good? So if my threshold for Cal is what it was at Tedford when I joined Cal in 07, uh, and then, you know, I was a Cal fan my whole life. So before that, uh, soon. So that would be 10 wins. Not until we get a new coach. Eight wins. Could do it next year. With a new defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Totally. We could easily be on the Washington State trajectory, right? They were terrible their first year, made improvements their second year, declined in their third year, and won nine games in their fourth. And we don't count Sonny's first year. so We don't, because he was cleaning house that year. Mm-hmm. That doesn't and, count. So that yeah. easily could be our trajectory, too. It just depends on a couple of things. I just don't think that we're going to be that. I, I don't know. I don't see us taking that next step as a program if we're... It's, it's just not... Man, we're just not managing it the right way. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll change. Yeah, I feel bad. He's a, he's a great guy, like, see, excellent ambassador for Cal, and but at, at some point, there's been a lot of question marks this year. It's been really concerning. Let me just ask you one question, and and it's about the defensive coordinator position. Mm-hmm. What do you want in our next defensive coordinator? It doesn't have to be a specific name or like you know where they're coming from or what you know if they're a linebackers coach or if they they have NFL experience or whatnot, but. Just from a defensive coordinator standpoint, what would you like him to do as a for that whole unit? You know what Grinch did at Washington State? That's what. Like, give them an identity that isn't just being awful or bad at tackling. I feel like we've had an identity as like this bend not break, 
just barely good enough defense. That's like the worst ad- identity, right? Maybe in 2015 you could sell me on the turnover identity, right? We created a lot of turnovers, but then it tapered off, so we didn't have that anymore. We did have it for half the season. So for me, it's a coordinator that comes in like Grinch at Washington State and says, I'm a safeties coach. I'm the D coordinator. Our safeties are going to do a lot, right? They send their safeties a lot uh, to stop the run, uh, to rush, the, to pressure the quarterback. Their safeties are all over the field, right? And then you look at Clancy, and Clancy throws a bunch of different disguises at you. And so, and he also finds a lot of different ways to hurry the quarterback. And you look at ASU's defense, as bad as that defense is, what are they known for? All out blitzes, <laughs> sending everyone. <laughs> And so at least there's something there because then you can get buy-in. That's easier to sell. Like, I want to play in that type of defense. Right. So, like, ah, I'm, athletic. I'm an athletic safety. Look at what Cal's doing with all their safety. Look at all those looks. Actually, that's pretty cool. And they're looking to go and get, you know, we have some depth there, and, and there is some nice coaches, Burns. So then all of a sudden you, you have more of, of an actual identity. And I think that's what I'm looking for out of this next coach. It doesn't have to be the big name. I just want someone that Solid. is really good at what the – they do so then our team can take that on. And Washington State, interestingly enough, was really good against the pass when they first hired Grinch and then flipped this year to being really good against the run. And so while he's not necessarily consistent and there are question marks there, as there should be, at least there's something that they can to look show. at. Yeah. And then it's not that hard. And it's not I don't want to hear anyone out there saying it's Cal, we can't do it. Because you look at Washington State, and they can do it. You look at any other team in the country. Like We should not be settling for this abysmal performance whatsoever. We have been far too lenient on our defensive coordinator. Like, people are not looking at this job and saying, why would I want to take that the same way they were looking at it when we ran Andy Bell out of town? What yeah. about you? Flip the question. Yeah, I, I'm all in for that identity. Um, I think whether that's were the the all-out blitz ASU style um, or were the ball hawks and we just pressure the quarterback and makes them throw to the outside and we force our corners and safeties to intercept the ball every opportunity and chance they get. Or if we turn into Utah's defense from last year where it's just solid tackling, keep the ball in front of you, and you don't need to go for the fumbles or anything, just get him down, right? I don't mind any of those. I really don't. Um... Would it be more fun to watch a certain type? Of course. Of course it's more fun to watch a, a defense that creates turnovers, you know, that plucks off the deep balls and and all those interceptions and fum- force fumbles and stuff. But regardless, we just need something that can hold. Something that can hold that other offense. And like we've, we've said it all year long, right? We don't need it to be a top 10 defense. Right. We just need it to get us enough stops that our offense doesn't feel the load to score every time they touch the ball. We're asking for a top 60 defense. <laughs> yeah. Top 60. 60. Not a top, top Not top a top six. 80 top 60. Gets us two additional wins this year. Yeah. 80. This, Easy. This is not a big ask. No. This is a, a Pac-12 school with plenty of good football tradition and enough money to throw around where somebody should be looking at that. If Clancy Pendergrass is going to come off of the NFL and take that position, leading a team to a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator, albeit it wasn't a great defense, yeah. 
then there's someone out there that can look at this job and say, I can really do something there. And there's a lot of things, as we mentioned before, that Dykes does well, despite his back 12 record. And a lot of things he's doing on, in the classroom with the culture of the team that are worth buying into. And I don't think that if Mike Leach can run an air raid offense and have a competent defense, there's no reason why we can run, not run a bear raid offense and have a competent defense. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. That that storyline this offseason is going to be something to watch very, very carefully. Um, because, yeah, uh, we know the situation, right? We know that Kaufman is in a contract year. I, I believe he's in a contract year. Correct. Um, and we also know that Sonny did get more money for his assistant coaches when he did sign that extension just this past summer. Kaufman's well paid. Yeah, Kaufman is well paid. So that money is there plus more. And however you want to redistribute it and however you want to rethink the whole defensive side of things, that's 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 up to the coaching staff. But what we're saying is that the whole, like, oh, we can't put in, like, a competitive offer, you know, to certain defensive coordinators or, like, maybe a linebacker's coach at other, other or a defensive line coach to, you know, move over here to take that step up. No, no, no. We, we are able to. We are definitely able to do that. You'd be sick, higher. Hardy Nickerson, he'd <laughs> be great hire. That he'd <laughs> be a great hire. It'd be it's. I I think that's in the realm. Of, it could be in the realm of possibility, right? I mean, would he the, leave Lovey in at Illinois though to come to Cal? I don't know. Wouldn't he come back to his alma mater to be the defensive coordinator? That'd be cool. I mean, I'd like that hire. Yeah, I mean, if you can make the the offer competitive to him and be like, hey, come back, come back home, right? Why not? You did well with your one year at Lovey. Bring all the stuff you learned and do it here. I didn't even think of that, but that'd be a great hire. Everyone's talking about like linebackers coach at Washington or like the linebackers coach at UCLA. And no, that's that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. All right, that wraps it up for us uh, here at the Golden Blogs headquarters ish kind of while where we eat blue and gold gummy bears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hopefully we will be reporting back to you either at the stadium or... Later that night. Later that night. With victory with beers victory or... Victory beers, gummy bears. Or sad scot- scotch. Homemade dumplings. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that is happy in this world. Please. Lots of happiness. Yeah. Oh. All right. Yeah, that wraps it up first. You can find my stuff uh, on on Twitter at Rob11HWNG. You can find Andy at Twitter at... Andy J. Beast Mode. Um, all our stuff is on, on CaliforniaGoldenBlogs.com. Uh, I have a recap from the last Cal basketball game against San Diego, South Dakota State up. So if you want to go take a read at that, that'd be great. Add that was the, really good. Add to the comments. Thank you. I enjoyed Thank it you. very much. Yeah. Uh, we will also be uh, tweeting live on the Golden Blogs account uh, at the Cal basketball game, too. So follow along there. If you're at the Cal basketball game, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. Not hesitate. Don't hesitate uh, to come on by and say hello. Uh, we're more than happy to meet uh, fans of our website and talk and all that good stuff. So, yeah, there we have it. Anything else, Andy? That's it. All right. Have a great week. Have a great week. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. You know it! What?